Hey Achievers, this is Maya, founder of Healthy High Achievers. Join our global community and create healthier routines to avoid burnout and feel more calm and healthy. Let's get to it. Hey Achievers, welcome back to the Healthy High Achievers podcast. Today I have Samantha Mackay on the show. Samantha is a personal development coach and she specializes in the Enneagram. So she had an interesting journey leading her to this point today. And she told me a bit about it. Just to, She's going to explain more today. But to give you a summary, Samantha got very sick in 2009 from working as a lawyer and really being out of alignment with her true self. She had chronic pain, illness, an autoimmune condition, anxiety, and depression. And then moving from Australia to New Zealand really helped her to start her healing journey. Samantha, are you in Australia or New Zealand right now today? Right now I'm in Australia. And I was in London when I got, well, really, really sick. And then I went from London, UK, to New Zealand. And that was quite a change, but a necessary change. Oh, yeah. Okay. From London to New Zealand. And did you, you said you also had a burnout. Was that, in which country was that? (laughs) Probably had more than one, but the really extreme one where I took three months off work to recover and sleep was in New Zealand. Mm, Yeah. So I know Samantha told me that in 2015, she completely burned out. She quit the job she loved and basically slept for the next three months. And then she started her own consultancy, working part-time, and it took another two years before she was able to work full-time. So Samantha, I know you're using the Enneagram right now to help people figure out what works for them because not every treatment is for helps every person, right? So in your own journey, what did you discover about yourself through your own Enneagram. And it's really interesting. So I came to the Enneagram probably only in 2018, 2019, so a little bit later, whereas I really started my healing journey in sort of 2010, 2011, when I sort of really arrived in New Zealand. And I think one of the things that the Enneagram helped me to see through that journey was when we get sick, when we get chronically sick, we sometimes think that it started at the point of impact you know, that the burnout started in in 2015 and the chronic illness started in 2009. But the more I looked back at what had happened in my life, I started to see that these patterns and these illnesses started when I was a teenager and even younger than that as a child. And it was that mindset of understanding or even denying that there was something wrong because, you know, we live in a society that wants us to work harder and push through and be productive. It doesn't allow for resting and laziness and just being. And so what the Enneagram showed me when I got my first, you know, official test result that was actually correct, because for a while I got a few incorrect types, was I could look back and see that my drive to heal was very much motivated by need to not be in pain. And we all have a different relationship to pain But my type's relationship to pain is how do we get rid of this as quickly as possible? And, you know, through that journey, I would have, you know, four or five different, you know, healers on standby, you know, a physio, a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, a naturopath, you know, and a doctor, like whatever it was. And I was like, oh, where is this pain coming from? What's the best way to release it? Let's call and get an appointment. Go, 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 go. And what I eventually realized, what the Enneagram helped me see was how that was one of my defensive survival patterns. Having these, this group of people ready to release my pain immediately 
was actually part of the problem. And so what I eventually learned how to do was just to sit and be with the pain and to just acknowledge that pain was present and to not run from it and to see it as not something that was going to make me suffer. But I say that as someone who couldn't have done that at the start of that healing journey, to get to that point where I could stay with the pain and not freak out and not need to escape from it, I needed to do a lot of support to help my digestive system come back online, to have done some emotional processing, to have a much healthier relationship with myself, with my emotions, to have done a lot of meditation so my mind was a lot calmer. And mm. so all of those are really essential building blocks to get to this point of being able to sit with the pain. Now, each type has a different motivation, a different thing they're running from, and so they'll have a different relationship with their chronic illness and how they react to it. But that was one of the key learnings that the Enneagram really showed me. It helped me look back at my healing journey and the patterns I'd been perpetuating throughout and what was contributing to it and helped me start to shape a new relationship, a new relationship with, with my body. But it came on top of some really strong foundational work that I think a lot of us need, you know, the emotional development, the mind development, and then the somatic development. Yeah, and, and you had such a 360 approach, you know, working on that emotional side of things, the stress, but also being with the pain, the mindfulness, and then working on your digestion, you know, it's the physical, emotional, it's everything at once. So when did you realize that you were sort of just running from pain and trying to have a solution today, right now, instead of going for that long-term solution? Mm, I think that happened three or four years into the to the recovery journey when I started to, you know, the chiropractor wanted me to go every week, you know, and I started to think, well, this feels like a bit of a business model where like this is a short-term reliever, but where's the, the long-term, where's the permanent solution? So when I was early in my twenties, I developed my first round of eczema. This happened in my hands uh, while I was living in Canada but I didn't really do anything about it till I got back to Australia and I went to see a dermatologist and I said, listen, this developed, I've had it for about six months. It's obviously getting worse. What can we do about it? And she said to me, well, do you work in nursing or a career that you have to wash your hands a lot? And I was like, no, I'm currently a lawyer, no hand washing required. And she's like, great, here's some steroids, here's some hand cream, wear these gloves. This is for life. You're just going to have to live with it. And I was like, I'm sorry, something that's just developed in the last six to 12 months can't be for life. I disagree with your conclusion there. But at that time in the early 2000s, there was no real discussion or understanding about chronic illness and about where they you know, came from and the, the role emotions played in that and the role stress and childhood wounding and trauma plays in all of that. And so I sort of was questioning at that point, but I had no other framework or understanding of what to do about it. And so then five years later, I did, I got, so when the chronic pain began, I had gone on a hike, I'd hurt my hip and I could no longer really walk. And I was starting to see a great chiropractor at the time. She was fantastic. And that led me, she was like, well, you're just not allowed to do anything for a while. You probably got 12 months of just doing nothing. And eventually I got to a point where she's like, you can go to the yoga retreat. And I'm like, okay, thanks. I can go to a yoga retreat. And at the yoga retreat, I learned about a macrobiotic diet. And so I went on this for a few months and I saw myself completely change, that I no longer craved sugar, that my emotions weren't rampant and all over the place, that I just felt calmer within myself and I felt addiction free. And so I sort of had these few months of sort of presence in a way, 
it hadn't, you know, a lot of my physical symptoms had sort of dissipated, not gone, but there was this relief. Now, unfortunately, that diet is very intense and requires a lot of your time and energy. And so when I went to London, that all fell apart very quickly and my eczema and stress just went a thousand percent. You know, I was covered in these huge weeping sores. I had seasonal affective disorder. My emotions were completely shut down. You know, it was, it was truly horrendous. And I, I still did really tried very hard to deny that I was in pain. And so I would wear all these bandages to work. I'd wear jeans and a t-shirt to work. I'd stop wearing suits. It was just, it was, it was awful. It was truly awful. But the moment everything changed as I was in the office one day and I was looking at one of my case files, uh, I was a litigation lawyer and it had sort of six folders in it. And I looked at it and I, as I looked at it, I realized I had absolutely no idea what was in it. And just, you know, six to nine months earlier, I'd, I'd run a case with sort of 18 plus folders and I knew exactly what was in all of them. And I was like, oh no, my memory is gone. Mm -hmm. Oh no, it's now time to take this problem seriously. And so that was the turning point. And so what I found over this sort of 20 plus year journey is that these moments that stand out because we're so good as humans as denying our pain and denying there is a problem and society reinforces that. It wants us to deny. It doesn't serve for us to pause and rest and really try and understand where our chronic illnesses are coming from. And for anyone who doesn't know, a chronic illness is defined, defined by the Western medical system as anything lasting longer than three months. And so you can interpret that as you will. And yeah. so, yeah, there was these moments that that created change and drove change, but it took a long time to really get to that point of going, okay, what does a long-term solution look like? And by chance, and I think a lot of our healing does happen a bit by chance and being open to what sort of is happening and what the universe is sending us, I got in touch with what is known as a flinchlock release therapist. And that essentially says that any shock you've had, physical, emotional, psychological, is held in the body. And the pain comes from the body trying to continually hold that position of the shock while you sort of try and turn to a normal position. And so I worked with, with that practitioner for about two years. And that's when I started to realize there's a difference between Band-Aids and long-term solutions because that's when my pain started to dissipate. I started to feel more freedom and be more connected with my body somatically. I could move more freely. And we didn't just work on physical, we worked on emotional and it really transformed my life. And so, but after two years, I was like, okay, it's now time for something else. We've, we've worked this process, although I have since returned to other practitioners because it is amazing but it is mostly available in New Zealand. It's a modality that was developed in New Zealand. Most of the practitioners are there and it's much harder to access around the world. There are people scattered in places and I've, like, I want to refer everyone to it, but unless you're in New Zealand, it can be a little tricky, but that's really when I, I started to see the difference between short-term and long-term solutions. Yeah. And you really discovered that approach of okay there's shock in the body there's trauma in the body in any way you know it can be emotional it can be from movement it can be physical but just yeah working around that and having the body to relax again and flow again and you worked on your health in several ways you're like okay this diet okay I want this one so it's it's that journey of not having that one solution and going for it despite you know doctors saying there's no solution you know you just have to learn how to live with it it's a chronic disease it will last your whole life bye bye <laughs> and you were like nope so and i know you were working as a lawyer 
and you said you were not very aligned to your true self. So in the line of, did it kind of come together, the, the physical healing with the emotional healing and the career switches? What was that relationship between those two journeys, let's say? Mm. So I had never wanted to be a lawyer. And it felt like as I came out of university that it was my only choice. You know, my pre, you know, pre-professional career jobs where I worked as a, you know, in a bookshop because I absolutely love books. And I had done some paralegaling work. And at university, I'd run a lot of training programs and, you know, running workshops and training was just really natural and easy to me. But then I sort of ended up in this legal career. And I think one of the signs that I ignored was pretty early on was just how depressed I got just being in that environment. You know, I got severely depressed being in the law firms, of, you know, varying kinds. And it just, I think that was the clue that there was a misalignment right from the start, but also it's, I just never wanted to do it. I love studying law. I love books. I love, you know, talking through issues, but I'd always been a trainer and I love teaching people things. But at the time, I couldn't really understand or comprehend that there might be a career in that, that, yeah. that that sort of thing might be feasible and possible. And while I was working in law firms, and I found some you know great ones, I got to do those things. I would do marketing and I would do training and I you know got to design new systems. But when I moved to London and I went to work in a, a, a a big law firm, a big corporate, they wanted you to be more specialized. And I found in that environment, I couldn't do the things I loved. I couldn't do training and marketing and brain, like all those other bits and pieces. And I think that I felt so limited and my personality type struggles with being limited. It absolutely exacerbates our stress is I didn't like it. I wasn't enjoying it. I couldn't do the things I enjoyed about the law or about being in just in that corporate environment. And so when I moved to New Zealand, I just said, I'm I'm not going to be a lawyer, you know, I'm just not going to do it. And so I was really lucky to sit down with a recruitment um, person and she said, well, what do you want to do? What interests mm. you? And then I think I spent half an hour rambling on about corporate culture and culture change and creating great places to work and non-toxic environments and all that kind of stuff. And so she got me a job as a PA to the head of organizational development at one of New Zealand's largest companies. I mean, amazing, right? You know, yeah. I'd never been, I'd never been a, a personal assistant, but thankfully it was just a six week week thing. And she's like, well, just put you in, we'll see what happens. And from there they kept me on. I, I became an organizational development advisor. I started running workshops and ended up being in that company for about 18 months, doing all sorts of interesting things and all sorts of interesting roles. And when that ended, I I was like, well, what next? And so then I just started contracting, following my nose. And I took on training gigs and internal communications roles and just any sort of thing in this vein that sort of interested me. Yeah, I find it just, I'm totally in your story. I'm like, I, I was just thinking, I love how we hear about your health growth and that whole journey of finding your own solutions, long-term solutions. And then here's the other side of that same coin, kind of the career path of how that shifted and how that was probably simultaneously kind of finding its way into aligning with what you really want to do. And that was that training, that teaching. Now you were giving these workshops. And then from there, I can see you getting closer to the Enneagram, but but how did you get there? What was that bridge? <laughs> yeah, that was really interesting. So 
as I, as you mentioned earlier, I started my own consultancy after burnout. So I was like, well, I, I don't have enough energy to work full time. I can't go and get a job. I need something where I can manage my energy. And so I used my personality's desire to chase opportunities and to, to be proactive and to gather people together to start the small business consultancy focused on offering organizational development to, to small companies. And after doing that for about I can't remember, six to nine to 12 months, I started to realize there was a there was a problem. There was a product market fit. So what I was offering wasn't working or wasn't what they needed. And I didn't want to change what I was offering. And I was like, well, this just isn't, this isn't going to work. So what do we do next? And so I took a couple of contracts, but in the process of this, I spent a lot of time figuring out what my values are. Like what do, if I'm chasing after these things, like what is the one thing I really want to be chasing? And for me, the most important value that came out again and again was creativity. So I was like, great. Okay. So if I work part-time, I can do my creativity, you know, stuff on the side, that'll work. And then I realized actually that wasn't satisfying because I used to be exhausted after doing work that either wasn't right or I didn't have enough energy for, there was no time left for creativity. And I think what I'll, I'll throw in here is part of my healing journey was through painting, through art therapy. And so I started abstract painting constantly for several years because what it did was every time I went to paint, an emotion would come up and that would give me a chance through the painting process to, to do that emotional processing. Now, yes, I worked with a therapist that was essential, but for me, I really struggle to talk about what I'm feeling. It was hugely challenging, much easier now, but I spent years painting because it helped me do a lot of that processing. And I didn't want to give up that to go back to work. I wanted to find space for my creativity in my working world, but I started to realize that wasn't going to work. I had to do my creativity as part of my daily work. And so I was like, okay, so what does that look like? What does that mean? And another thing that happened in the process was I got to this decision point. My personality type loves options, loves to keep all the options open, but I realized how limiting that was. And so I was like, well, you could do an internal communications role. You could do change management. You could do training, but what do you want to do? And this wasn't a question I often asked myself, what do you want to do? And so what my personality showed me was that the more I chased things because I thought they might bring me money or they might be exciting, the more I was moving away from my true self. And so if I could start to ask myself, what do you really want? And then give myself permission to do that, no matter how scary, uncomfortable, or, you know, unfinancially sustainable, then I started to create more alignment within me. And so I took a, a contract at the local hospital, delivering a change program, but leadership development. And so I was training these nurses and I brought personality into it. At first I brought the Myers-Briggs system into it to help mm. them give insight to themselves and how they were different and, and how to work together. And that led me to doing profiler training with Personality Hacker, really deep diving into Myers-Briggs. And that led me to the Enneagram. And as I was doing the training with Personality Hacker, I was like, well, I like to get paid to learn. You know, this is my personality seeking these opportunities. And so I ended up working with Truity, designing training programs for them and delivering workshops and writing articles and making videos and really being able to fully immerse myself in personality and teaching it to other people. And that was great. It was bringing my loves together, you know, training and education and personal and professional development with personality, with a really solid framework. And we were, we were doing an Enneagram project and I was like, okay, we've reached the limits of what I can learn from just reading the books and talking to people. And so I enrolled in this course 
And it was a course where I thought I could use it to help train people, but it actually turned to be about how to coach people. Mm. So you just leapt, leapt into the thing without reading the fine print. And I just fell in love with it. I was like, oh my God, this Enneagram stuff is amazing. It finally speaks to the real depth of personal development I want to do with people, to the real depth of healing and transformation. I think, you know, StrengthsFinder and Myers-Briggs are great, but they were more at introductory levels. I find that the Enneagram, when it comes to like healing and really, like really maturing ourselves, the Enneagram speaks to what we need to know and provides a lot of guidance as to how to go about doing it. And so, yeah, that really just set me on the path. And so I've been really in deep into the Enneagram for the last few years. Yeah. And I saw when I was looking around on your website before this interview, I saw like the whole list of certifications and the coaching and personality things, like all the trainings you took. I'm like, yep, this is someone who loves learning, you know, and and it's something it's one of my character strengths, too. I love learning. I love being in courses and then applying that and using that and all these that new. And you're the same. And that led you to what you're doing now and this whole journey to how you ended up helping people with their personal development through the Enneagram. And today, are you doing this full-time? Is this your business now? What does your work life look like today? Mm. So I'm currently, you find me in a time of transition and I'm just in that space of creating something new. And it's been really interesting. So I've been running my own business or contracting in various forms for a while, but I realized I still had a lot of blocks to really creating something sustainable and wholehearted and being able to fully put myself out there because I found that really terrifying. So I've been working with a therapist, a root cause therapist, to identify some of the beliefs that I find have been really holding me back and stopping me from really creating exactly what I want to put out into the world that feels authentic. I find sometimes when we're afraid and we're captured by our fear, we try and fall in with what's safe in some way. And what's safe is what other people already talk about, what is already, you know, not questioned and renowned, you know, it's held in esteem in some way. And I know I can teach those things, but I feel like I have a lot more to offer, but the fear has been really getting in my way. And so working with this root cause therapist has been amazing because she tests to find exactly which belief systems, which beliefs are really ingrained in your somatic system and helps you to release them. And so I've been taking this time, this really uncomfortable transition, uncertain time as one part of my life ends and a new part starts to just be with whatever's coming up. And so what's coming up, I've been offering, you know, Enneagram coaching to people and, and seeing where that takes me. And I think the Enneagram is such a crucial piece, but what I'm focusing on now is finding a way to offer that creative healing to people. So using creative practices to help people do emotional processing, get in touch with themselves, build a new relationship with themselves or a more sort of wholehearted, authentic relationship with themselves. They can create whatever they want. They can be more in the flow of life, which will ease their physical symptoms and their emotional symptoms and whatever that is. So they can just be more present in their lives in some way. And so it's bringing together that, that training piece, the Enneagram piece, but also that creativity piece, because it's not just that we're all creative, but it's the somatic practice or the process of creating that puts us in touch with so much of what's happening in our inner world and creates and helps us be more in the flow of life and give ourselves permission to be our true selves because so much of the time we're just boxing ourselves in and tying ourselves up in knots 
And the Enneagram, one of the things the Enneagram does that I love, it helps shows you what that box looks like and how to get out of it. And so mm-hmm. I'm just bringing that creative healing piece into that mix. Yeah, I love that. Helping you, like showing you what the box looks like and helping you get out of it. And what I loved, and anyone who's listening who's like, I feel like I'm in a transition, but I don't really know where I'm going. And when I listen to these stories, it feels like they they all know what to do next, you know, what the next step is. It's a discovery. And I really loved something that Samantha just said, is that when you're in that phase of transition, just be with whatever comes up. You know, you don't need to know that next step. You don't need to know what the next phase will look like. When you're in that transition, you can just be with whatever comes up. And I love how you're now in that phase of, yeah, those self-limiting beliefs. I think starting a business and being in that, starting a whole new project and starting a new direction in life is something that one of those first steps is working on those beliefs. And I love how that coach calls It's a root cause coach, you know, because I always thought, okay, the subconsciousness, self-limiting beliefs, but I love the name root cause coach. And it's something I did for myself when I was starting my business. I was reading books. I was working on my mindset. That was one of the first things I had to do to break through those fears and jump in, you know, take the leap, not knowing what's on the other side. And I remember one of my favorite books was The Magic of Thinking Big, (laughs) You know, just really believing I could do it, just really expanding that mind and take myself out of that box and see what's what's possible in that next phase. So today, what's your health like and what are some of your favorite tricks or ways of taking care of yourself as you're expanding into this next phase and building your your business? Mm, great question. So my health is a lot better than what it was. And all those years of effort has paid off. I no longer live in chronic pain. My eczema is only sort of here and there. Things are a lot calmer. I no longer have the anxiety and the depression, but I can have bad days. You know, I often wake up with stomach cramps. So that's something I'm working on. So no day, you know, life constantly changes and it's learning to just flow with it. And so I think one of the key tools for me is being able to just observe when I'm not reacting like I'd like to. And when I'm sensing that discomfort that I'm trying to mask with food or television or a book or like escaping in some way and just trying to be with that discomforting feeling. And that's still hard work because you still have to be observed, you know, when you're doing that, but that's really my practice. And so taking care of myself can be just removing myself to a, a quiet private space to just try and feel that feeling. It can be journaling. I'm doing a lot of morning pages at the moment, going for walks by myself in the sunrise. I love the sunrise. Watching the sunrise is great. And so it's you taking a little bit of alone time to process what's coming up and to be in the flow of things. And I find when I do get in a lot of pain, a Shakti mat is great. A massage is great. Just a hot shower. But it's it's just... I think being able to acknowledge and notice the pain and discomfort before you really spend a lot of time trying to escape it. Um, Now that's particular for my personality type, but every other type has its own thing. Absolutely. That observing, that being mindful. Yeah, beautiful. And while people don't know this, we didn't tell you in the beginning, people, but we're in on completely different sides of the world. If someone is watching on YouTube, it's getting dark outside. So I'm like in my living room lamp, <laughs> literally using that light. <laughs> and Samantha, you're in Australia and it's what time right now? 
it's like 8.30 in the morning, the sun is risen, it's very <laughs> bright and shiny here. <laughs> so Samantha's a day ahead of me. <laughs> We're on two different days, but we made it work. We found a time, you know, I was like, let's just do it. Doesn't matter if the light isn't ideal. Let's just pick something that works for both of us, both of us being awake and active. And I loved how we <laughs> found this time to hear your story. And I hope it really inspired others to just find your path and to experiment and try out things and see what works, see what doesn't. Maybe dive into your Enneagram and see what you can, how you can take yourself out of that box, right? And Samantha, where can people find more about you? Mm, well, they can find me at my website, individuo.life, but I'm also on Instagram and sort of, no, mostly Instagram. I'm still working on all the bits of promoting myself. I'm just moving into that space at the moment. So the website's probably the best place. Yeah, absolutely. I will put those links in the show notes below. And thank you so much for your time today, Samantha, and for being so open, sharing your story, both health and career. Mm, thank you so much. It's, and for finding a time that we were both awake and functional. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, Samantha. Thank you. You too. Bye. Hey, Achievers. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. Please, please, please subscribe and review my podcast. It will mean the world to me. See you in the next episode.